0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So continuing the, um, the exploration around feeling tone that uh, we've been looking at the last week or so. This is... Um, Continuing the exploration of the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness, this teaching, this discourse on the uh, four foundations of mindfulness or the four establishments of mindfulness is is probably the the place where um, the most collected meditation instructions are offered in in the suttas. So it's worth, it's worth looking at and exploring. This is where the Buddha is kind of teaching us. How do we attend to experience? How can we be present with what's happening? And how are we present with what's happening? Not just being aware of what's happening, but the kind of the attitude in the mind. The instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta encourage us to be present in a way that is not reacting to what's happening, but is just aware just aware of what's happening. So in the section on feeling, this exploration of feeling tone of that aspect of experience, not emotion per se, but, um, but a, a subtler and simpler aspect of experience, just whether experience is pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Every every moment of experience whether it's a sight a sound a smell a taste a touch or something happening in our minds has this aspect of experience that's happening along with the sight the sound the smell the taste the touch or the emotion or the thought there's associated with it is a feeling tone it's pleasant it's unpleasant it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant And usually, kind of based on habitual tendencies, uh, habitual conditioning, we tend to like what is pleasant, want more of it, we lean into it, there's a kind of a greed that follows from pleasant. With unpleasant experience, we tend to not like it, we want to get rid of it, push it away, resist it, get frustrated, irritated, angry, a whole host of of reactions that are in the aversive side of things could also be fear. So that this is this is a very habitual way of responding to experience, and yet the um, the teachings of of the Buddha point to the possibility of just being able to be aware of the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral aspect of experience, and this. instruction this kind of curiosity about experience from this perspective of the pleasant unpleasant neutral aspect is something that buddha talked about a lot it's 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 all over the suttas in many different ways many different places as a key way to help us to understand this patterning of reactivity this patterning of why aversion and greed arise in the mind and how that keeps cycling us through struggle, suffering, stress. So it's a, it's a key, it, it's like a key in that cycle of reactivity. And the Buddha encourages us to notice like where does this whole cycle spring from? It springs from the, uh, the pleasant, unpleasant or neutral aspect of experience and yet this springing from the pleasant unpleasant neutral aspect of experience um, is not the only um, way this is taught or explored because not only does reactivity spring from pleasant unpleasant neutral experience then reactivity in turn tends to shape whether we then experience pleasant unpleasant or neutral experience so it becomes a cycle so with reactivity, we, the, 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 um, the uh, texts talk about something called underlying tendencies. We could call that habitual patterns, um, the conditioned habits and patterns, something like that, that um, the underlying tendency towards aversion tends to underlie unpleasant experience the underlying tendency, so the habit, the habit of aversion tends to underlie unpleasant experience. The habit of greed tends to underlie pleasant experience, tends to take us towards pleasant experience, tends to orient the mind towards finding pleasant experience. And so then the pattern continues. And so um, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the instructions are really simple they encourage us to come back to a very simple exploration of this area of experience the feeling tone and the text I think I read this last time but I'll just uh, restate it reread it how does one abide observing feelings as feelings when feeling a pleasant feeling one understands I feel a pleasant feeling when feeling an unpleasant feeling. One understands I feel an unpleasant feeling when feeling a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling. One understands I feel a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling. That's the first part of the instructions on this foundation, this establishment of mindfulness of feeling. So it encourages us to just recognize, Oh, this is a pleasant feeling. This is an unpleasant feeling. With that, that's the how, the how to pay attention. Not, oh, there's a pleasant feeling, I need to hold on to it. Oh, there's an unpleasant feeling, I need to get rid of it. But, oh, this is a pleasant feeling. One can be aware of that. This is an unpleasant feeling. One can be aware of that. And then one may also see a kind of a patterning that follows from that. That often is what happens is we first start paying attention to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. We see that kind of leaning towards pleasant, the resisting of unpleasant. But it also may take us to the place where we see, oh, this is pleasant or this is unpleasant. And we, we can simply recognize the pleasantness or unpleasantness of the experience without the subsequent reactivity. And that's a very powerful realization. It's a powerful recognition how much of our suffering is not from the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral experience, but from the reactions to it. So the key, or the key thing I'd like to speak about today is the conditioned nature of feeling. Uh, Last week, the question came up about talking about Feelings and thoughts and how, you know, thoughts seem to really have a key um, role in shaping what we feel that that idea about something being a certain thing really shaping whether we like it or not the idea about the idea and all of the whole history we have about something shaping, whether it's, we experience it as pleasant or unpleasant. So, um, so feeling tone is conditioned in, in multiple ways. I mean, often we we might think just to start, just to start the, uh, the teachings point to how feeling tone is conditioned based on kind of contact with our senses if we're not having if there's not a contact with the senses so if our eyes are closed we may be seeing like like the colors and shapes behind the eye but we're not seeing the objects in the room and so we're not having sight impinge on the eye so there's there's not the pleasant unpleasant neutral happening with respect to the seeing so, so, the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is conditioned based on that contact, based on the contact of, of, of uh, you know, with our body, with our eyes. You know, the, there's the eye, there's sight, and then there's these, the contact there. And there's a teaching that says the meeting of the three is contact. And with contact, one feels. With contact as a condition, feeling happens. And so the, the feeling arises independence on contact. So there's a conditioned nature of feeling in that way that without the impingement, we're not going to have the feeling, but we are continually you know, contacted by experience and with every contact, there's a feeling tone. So that's a way in which a feeling tone is conditioned. But the, as I said a, a few minutes ago, the, there's this kind of underlying tendency or habitual pattern towards habitual reactions to these feeling tones. When it's pleasant, we tend to like it, lean into it, want more of it, want to hold on to it. That tends to condition us towards thinking that getting something that we want, you know, when we get that thing, if we are leaning towards something pleasant, we don't have it, but we're leaning towards it, then we get it. When we get that thing, there tends to be a little hit of, oh, I've got it. In the mind, there's this sense of almost a, a kind of a sense of uh, um, of control sometimes that, oh, I've got that thing. I've, I figured out how to live my life. I can, I can get what I want. And so with that comes a pleasant kind of experience. and And it reinforces this notion that getting what I want is how I can feel okay how I can feel good so that patterning or likewise getting rid of what I don't want a very similar kind of control can happen a feeling of happiness can happen when we get rid of something we don't like so there's that um that kind of sense of of control of I I can figure I can figure this out I've got it I've that tends to feel pleasant With that pleasantness, then, comes the idea of that is how I can feel good. This has been shaped so much in our experience, this uh, pattern of get what I want, I feel good. That means then I need to do more getting what I want in order to feel okay. Get rid of what I don't want, that makes me feel good, so I need to do more of that that tends to, to lead us to looking for things to want, looking for things to get rid of so that we can get that hit of, oh, I feel good, I've, I'm in control. So this is a very deeply conditioned pattern in our, uh, in our experience. And the, um, the, uh, I think in our, prior to meeting the, um, the Buddhist teachings, at least for me, I thought that that was the way to happiness. I can control my life if I can shape it. If I can, you know, get rid of things I don't want, get things that I want. That is happiness. That is as good as it gets. Now I could see that it was kind of always falling apart in some ways and then continually needing to work to shape it, to get those things, get rid of those things. But that was what my mind thought, well, that's what that's what happiness is. That that message is reinforced for us too. The, the message of that's how happiness comes. That message is reinforced in our culture and our conditioning. But then we might meet the teachings of the Buddha. We all have met these teachings of the Buddha where he points to there's actually a deeper kind of happiness, more sense of well-being that comes when we are not trying to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. In fact, he says that that movement towards getting and getting rid of, if we look at that, if we look at that right there, look at that experience of leaning towards or pushing away from, we don't usually look at that because we are so focused on the getting or the getting rid of. And so focused on the future possibility that I'll be with that thing or without that thing that we are not touching into the experience of the wanting or the resistance itself. The wanting and the resistance are both unpleasant. They both have an unpleasant quality when we actually start to look at them. And so this um, this is also a way in which this cycle is reinforced because when we get something that we well let's let's talk about getting rid of something we don't like so there's the unpleasant thing there's the um, uh, the unpleasantness of the of the aversion and then when we if we actually succeed in getting rid of that thing we end up with the 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 release from the unpleasantness of the aversion, along with the release from the unpleasantness of the, um, of the being with the unpleasant thing that we were trying to get rid of. And so that kind of reinforces, again, this is the way to happiness. With pleasant experience, if we're going for pleasant experience, again, they release from the wanting. You know, we get the thing. There's some measure of happiness in the getting. But in my own exploration of, um, of wanting, one thing I've discovered is that uh, when the wanting lets go, you know, being curious about the wanting itself, the release from the wanting is very pleasant. It is, it's like being released from a vice grip. And it's a different kind of pleasantness. So the, the, um, the, the movement of wanting and getting, when we get something, we get not only the, the pleasantness of the having, but we also get the pleasantness that the wanting has gone away for a little while. And in my, in my practice, I've found that that release, that release from the wanting is actually the bigger part of what we go for it's 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 the it's the um the stronger pleasantness actually the release from that wanting and what we end up getting trapped into is um looking for something to want in order to be released from the wanting sounds like craziness The Buddha pointed to, from his experience, he looked at his mind and saw this pattern and, and, you know, began to be curious about it and began to realize that in order to have that release from the wanting, it's not necessary to get the thing. The wanting can release without our getting that thing. And that's where he said the deeper, that was the kind of the, the, the direction the direction towards happiness that he really began to explore. And so this patterning of this cycle, it's described in a couple of different ways. Um, It's described in the teaching of dependent origination, which I've just described in a kind of a very general way that pattern, something something impinges our senses, there's um, the feeling of it, then there's the movement of liking of not liking, there's the perhaps the getting, the sense of I've got it, the control, that would be the kind of sense of I, I figured it out, that feels good. But then because of the nature of, of um, the impermanent nature of experience, that whole thing tends to fall apart. And then we're back in a place of looking for, well, how did I feel good last time? It was when I got something I wanted or got rid of something that I didn't want. And so the cycle starts again. Another place that this is uh, talked about is um, a teaching called the Honeyball Sutta, where um, it's kind of a a description of how, at a very detailed level, um, we respond to experience. So um, I'll read a little section of this. This teaching goes through um, each of the six senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and the mind, and describes the same pattern with respect to all of these six senses. But we'll just look at it with respect to the eye right now, to seeing. Based on the eye and forms, so the eye and stuff in the world and the, the, the light uh, that's available based on the eye and forms eye consciousness arises the meeting of the three of eye forms eye consciousness is contact that's that okay that's that kind of impingement on a sense the meaning of the three is contact with contact as condition there is feeling so there's an impingement on the eye, and there is the um, um, experience of it being pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. What one feels, that one perceives. So we, we have, and those, those are said to arise together. Seeing and, or the feeling and the perception come together. So we both get a sense of it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and we perceive it. In some fashion, we perceive it there's a there's many layers of perception at first it might just be the perception of form and color and then it might kind of um and our minds do this very quickly from form and color into some object a couch a wall a light and then um you know so there's that perception there's a perception of what it is what one perceives that one thinks about and so we, we perceive something, we recognize it, this, this process. Again, this is a natural process. This isn't something we have to do. This is something our human system does because we've been in the world. It, there's been this conditioning. We've been in communities. We've been in cultures. We've learned that that thing is a couch, that that thing is a light. We've learned, we've learned this this learning process is not something we do it's a natural unfolding and so there's this perception with feeling there's perception what one perceives that one thinks about so oh that's a that's a lamp what kind of a lamp is it or you know oh that's an animal what kind of an animal is it oh it's a cat oh i like cats we start thinking about what we perceive so this is coming into that uh, that part of the um, that cycle of conditioning that I was talking about that loops back on itself. So we, we start thinking about whatever we perceive. What one thinks about the next piece of this, that one mentally proliferates. Now this, this piece is, um, is a uh, kind of like maybe where our minds start to go a little crazy One way we think about this is like a, a proliferation of thought around something. But it also can be simpler. It can be just kind of like a reification. Like, that is a thing separate from me. That proliferation or that, papancha is the term here. Papancha can be thought of as a proliferation of lots of thought about a thing. But kind of the foundational piece of that proliferation of thought is a separation between me and the thing that I'm perceiving that there's that separation a sense of me and that thing so based on this this and again this happens very naturally this happens very it's very conditioned in us for this to happen what one, with what one has mentally proliferated as the source. Now, this sentence is complicated, but I'll, I'll unpack it. With what one has mentally proliferated as the source, perceptions and notions born of mental proliferation beset one with respect to past, present, and future forms cognizable by the eye. And to me, what that essentially means is because we proliferate, because we like take take something, and so let's take something like a pain in the knee. You know, there's a pain in the knee and uh, there's the kind of the recognition of unpleasantness and knee. And then there's thinking about it. That's my knee. That is the knee that I use to walk with. And, oh, dear, this is a problem. Um, You know, what's happened to my knee and am I going to be able to walk? And, oh, maybe there's something wrong with my knee and maybe I need to go to the doctor. So the mind can really, in a very short time, the mind can pick that up and proliferate with it. Then what this teaching says is based on that, based on that mental proliferation, what we, um, what we see, what we hear, what we sense, what we cognize is shaped by that. So if you have that, so this is essentially another way of describing that reactivity kind of arising. So based on all of those thoughts, a reactivity could arise like fear or anxiety. And based on that fear or anxiety, we tend to then meet our world through that lens of fear and anxiety. It tends to shape future experience of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. In this case, when we are caught in a, a cycle of anxiety or anger, our minds tend to orient to kind of fixing, controlling, and potentially could orient to unpleasant. That anxiety itself is unpleasant, and that tends to shape the feeling of. Uh, of other things being unpleasant, I've definitely experienced this. That when my mind is kind of agitated in anxiety, it's like it—it—it—it's um, kind of like looking for things to uh, to figure out. How do I fix this? How do I change this? How do I how do I navigate this? So it tends to orient to what's wrong, to what is perceived as unpleasant. So this is one way that the thought cycle tends to shape our, uh, it shapes our emotions and that tends to also shape our, uh, our feeling tone. So this pattern, this patterning can happen. Now another maybe less um, emotional version of this kind of, of uh, shaping of feeling tone can happen through views and this may be more where the question was coming from last week uh, you know what are what our views are about things so there's a teaching um this is not a sutta based teaching but it's in the uh the commentaries in the abhidhamma actually it's in the the, the section of the abhidhamma which isn't this isn't understood to be the teaching of the buddha but is later um, and the abhidhamma points to with respect to feeling tone that the, um, of the five physical senses, senses touch, sight, smell, taste, and hearing so of those five physical senses that the touch sense is very attuned to pleasant unpleasant and in fact I think that the Abhidhamma says that the the physical touch sense will either be pleasant or unpleasant. It may be a subtle version of that, but there's the the pleasant unpleasant is, is at the physical, you know, the contact of the skin, that will be pleasant or unpleasant. However, for the other four senses, sight, smell, taste, and hearing, The Abhidhamma says that the very first moment of contact, just that sound, the sound wave hitting the ear, just the light waves striking the eye, just the um, flavor impacting the tongue, the, the, the pointing to kind of the bare experience of that with sight, Form and color is what the eye sees. Pitch and tone is what the ear hears. Bitter, salty, sweet, sour is what the tongue tastes. And in and of itself, the Abhidhamma says, the first contact point with those four physical senses is neutral. And that any sense of a sight being pleasant or unpleasant is actually the result of a mental construction. It is based on the formation of, so there's the perception there also, right? So there's the perception of what it is. Um, so there's the, the first kind of the bare Contact is just going to be form and color. The process of recognizing what it is is mental. So that I recognize that it's a lamp. That lamp is actually in the mind. You know, the, my experience of lamp is in the mind, and my um, my relationship to lamp, my relationship to particular, you know, appreciation of certain, you know shapes of lamps or how much light they give off, whatever, whatever various things I might have. I might look at one lamp and say, that one's a pleasant lamp. And I might look at another one and say, no, that one's not pleasant. Maybe I like the color of one. Maybe I prefer earth tones and in my, in my environment. And if like somebody brought in a bright, you know, orange and purple uh, lamp, I might think that was unpleasant. But that pleasant or unpleasant, the Abhidhamma says, is based on ideas. It's based on views. It's based on thoughts, essentially. And so, um, you know, there can be, there can be with the, uh, the physical sense that you know like if we cut ourselves with a knife for instance our our physical sense is designed to like warn us that's dangerous that's harmful to the body take care of it and so there's an unpleasantness with that you know there's an actual unpleasant feeling with that but with respect to these other senses the abhidhamma at least says that 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 is the first impingement is neutral and that any sense of pleasant or unpleasant is a mental pleasant or unpleasant experience, not a physical pleasant or unpleasant feeling. It's based on the thought or the view or the idea, the pleasant or unpleasant, not the the thing itself. So this is another way that feeling tone is shaped. And how sometimes we might experience something as pleasant, some sensation as pleasant in one context, and how we might experience it as unpleasant in another context. Last week, I talked about that study of of, um, using shocks to test pleasant-unpleasant, and the um, you know the the kind of shocking people with a kind of a moderate shock or no shock, people re- re- responded that the, the the moderate shock was unpleasant. But then if there was a, another situation where there was a moderate shock or a very strong shock, and they were told beforehand which shock they were getting. When they were told the moderate shock was coming and they experienced the moderate shock, they experienced it as pleasant, not only based on their reports, but based on their brain activity, they experienced it as pleasant. So based on context in the condition of either getting a moderate shock or or a strong shock, if those are your two options, the moderate shock was experienced
1: as pleasant.
0: So this is, this is, again, so this is view, this is idea, this is understanding, this is, this is context. So a thought, the thought that this is moderate, this is going to be a moderate shock, this is going to be a painful shock, that thought shaped how the feeling was experienced. So this happens a lot. Now, that may not seem like a lot of emotional reaction, right? I mean, it's more, it's more just view. It's like, oh, this one's going to be stronger. This one's going to be weaker. That kind of belief or view, this is, the, this is Papancha doing this too. This is, this is the, the proliferation of mind, the, the mind kind of picking up context, picking up, picking up views and ideas and overlaying them on our experience. So this is a this is a big way that uh, feeling tone is shaped, and in my own experience, I find one very useful exploration is to kind of be curious about what is the feeling tone when there is reactivity. You know, so so we may notice that there's reactivity before we ra- actually notice what the feeling tone is. We may notice there's reactivity and think we know what we're reacting to. You know, we may we may you know that that lamp is what I'm reacting to, or, you know, whatever. Um, But uh, what can be interesting is to kind of be curious about, okay, there's a reaction here. There's not liking here. What is actually the unpleasant thing, the unpleasantness that this mind is responding to? Very, very often, that response to unpleasant sometimes it can be the the actual unpleasantness of the physical sensation for instance but very very often the reaction is not to the physical sight sound smell taste touch but is to what our mind has made of it it is to The ideas connected with it, the views, the beliefs, the history that's connected to it. For myself, I found it very useful to notice that. One time I was, I think I told this story last time, doing some walking meditation and um, somebody came up next to me and pretty close in the hall. The hall was pretty full. The walking hall was pretty full. And somebody kind of squeezed in and everybody kind of adjusted and felt like we were Pretty close together, and aversion arose. And I didn't quite understand what the aversion was about. You know where what the unpleasantness was that the aversion was reacting to. So I went through all the senses. The person didn't particularly look unpleasant. The uh, they weren't touching me, so it wasn't physical unpleasant. There was no smell; it wasn't smell. <laughs> so I went through all the physical senses and didn't see any unpleasantness and and I, I, I thought well there must be something in the mind there must be some idea in the mind that this unpleasantness is connected to and I continued walking and finally I saw this thought come up that person is weird that person is weird and my justification for that I saw was that 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 they were they had bare feet and it was December it was freezing cold and this whole kind of aversion to this person was based on a thought in my mind. And what I saw then at that point was like, my goodness, this whole aversive reaction is a construct in the mind. The mind isn't reacting to any actual experience. What it's reacting to is a thought and an idea. And in seeing that, in seeing that the, the reaction was constructed out of an idea, that whole pattern fell apart. And in the next moments, there was metta for the person. There was no uh, unpleasant experience. There was no aversion. I definitely saw that that thought, that person is weird, was unpleasant. That was where the unpleasantness was coming from. That was the reaction. And so in terms of looking at feeling tone, this is a really useful exploration. Is it what we think, what we think we're reacting to, what we think of as pleasant or unpleasant? It might not be that actually that we're reacting to. Very often it's the thoughts, the ideas in the mind. So um, comments, questions? Let me see if I have everybody allowing to unmute themselves. So if anybody wants to
1: say something, yeah, Olga. So a couple of things. Um, So basically, I mean, Vedna is created in the mind. It is a mental um,
0: experience as well, right? I mean that's
1: right. Even but the, the physical mind is fabricating that, correct? Yes. I mean I, that's always that has been my understanding. Yes. Um and that clearly the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is not in, in, intrinsic into any object. Yes. And and those fabrications arise out of our own conditioning. Yes. And I, I wanted to clarify something you said, which was the way I understood it was that you said when unpleasant is in the mind, and we think when unpleasant is in the mind, we will, the mind will um, create objects to be
0: unpleasant
1: to aversion,
0: when aversion is present in the mind.
1: Okay. So it has to take the unpleasant into the aversion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So when there's aversion pleasant present in the mind, that will tend to take us towards just gravitating towards un- unpleasant. Right. If right. I, I might've said, said it,
1: I might've said it incorrectly. I could, I possible I said it. No, incorrectly. I don't think you did. I, I, when you said it, it was like, huh. So it's like, if, if I, if I'm walking around with some maybe unseen aversion in my house, say, and I'm doing something and then I turn towards something and all of a sudden I'm feeling that aversion. I'm aware of the aversion. I'm realizing that there's a lot of unpleasantness. It may have nothing to do with the object I'm making contact with at that moment. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's why it's so useful to go back to what is the actual. (laughs) Right. (gasps) I've noticed that. I mean, it's like even having aversion and then turning to relate to somebody and realizing that you're feeling sort of nasty, you know, and it's like, wait, this person has not done anything to generate this nastiness. So what is the nastiness about? Okay. So I understand that. And the lat, the other thing was you were talking about, uh, eye consciousness and contact and you were talking about um with our closed eyes we really reduce the eye contact when we're meditating i happen to be a person who does a lot of visualizing and when papancha arises especially if i'm if i fall into a a hole with Papancha and I'm, you know, unaware, there's frequently uh, a lot of, there's a movie, right? So those images are mental. Right. So that's
0: that's contact with mind door, not eye door.
1: Okay. So it's really not accurate to understand that as seeing. Right. Okay.
0: Although I, I do find it useful at times to use that kind of, you know, to, to know, to, to kind of like if I'm seeing a lot of images, thoughts as images, I will use seeing as a kind of a noticing of this thought is happening through that sense door, you know, through that, through that kind of route. Although I know it's not actual seeing, you know, so it's so that's, that's just a use of that. You know, I do find it useful sometimes to kind of touch into what's the modality of the thought. You know, sometimes they can come as like physicality, like you're doing something. Sometimes it can come as sight, sometimes as sound. And sometimes it can be useful to, to recognize the thought in those terms, but understanding it's not actually the sense that's involved. It's, it's strictly mind. You're noticing something of the mind.
1: Uh, yeah, I frequently use imagining. As- yeah, imagining. You know, a kind of way of knowing what's going on. Yeah. uh, Which, which kind of, which kind of discerns it from hearing a real sound. Yes. Or being a real, real as in I could go over and touch it as opposed to just imagine it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Great.
0: So there was a question that came into the chat box, um, but we're out of time. So I'll pick this one up next week. Um, uh, and actually, I think it actually fits in uh, more with the topic next week, which is the, the, um, the uh, next aspect of the sutta, which points to the worldly and unworldly um, feeling tones. And so there are certain feeling tones that arise, uh, pleasant feeling tones that are part of the path. And the question kind of points to that a little bit, you know, when feelings of well-being, simplicity, serenity, wisdom arise, you know, those can have a pleasant quality to them. And that's actually part of the path. So what about wanting those? So that's, that's the question. And we'll, we'll talk about that um, some next week.